This show is brought to you by Cakes and Tins, where you can send the people you adore delightful and delicious gifts that give back. Go to cakesintins.com and use the code ACTINGREAL for 10% off. This show is also brought to you by LA Bookmaker, a deluxe stationery shop and custom bookbinder, offering handmade foil stamped cards, high quality calendars, and other ephemeral gifts. Go to la-bookmaker.com. Our clarity story today comes from Angela Heiner. My point of clarity came when you did a segment with Jonathan Tucker, and I was blown away with the content. I read the book that he recommended, Let's Talk About Death Over Dinner, and inside this book was a story about two wolves. It gave me the clarity I needed to stop and think of what I do and how I act and how I feel on a daily basis. I realized that some of my self-centered behavior was feeding a wolf that created me into this asshole I did not want to be. Hearing you and Jonathan made me think about my other self I was neglecting. I realized I had so much work to do. I needed to learn to feed the wolf that deserved to be fed, not the wolf that people feared. Finding peace within myself has helped me learn how to give love and happiness to others. For this, I am grateful. I love your story, Angela. And for those of you not familiar with this book, uh, I just wanted to read, this is a Native American parable um, that is in the book, Let's Talk About Death Over Dinner by Michael Hebb. A grandfather is talking with his grandson, and he says, there are two wolves inside of us which are always at war with each other. One of them is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness, bravery, and love. The other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed, hatred, and fear. The grandson stops and thinks about it for a second. Then he looks up at his grandfather and says, grandfather, which one wins? The grandfather quietly replies, the one you feed. So thanks, Angela, for uh, reminding us of that story. And thank you again for your story. If you have a story about a time that changed your life, it can be very mundane. You were hanging out by yourself and you had a thought, or it can be crazy, crazy. You uh, were drinking plant medicine and you had a vision. Um, Whatever the story is, if you want to share it, I want to hear it. I really, really, really do want to hear from you. Please email me at claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. That's claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. Hi, you guys. Uh, My guest today is Asif Manvi, who has like such an extensive list of credits. Oh my gosh. Uh, He is an actor of, you know, the small screen, the big screen and theater. Most notably, he played, he was in Oklahoma on Broadway. He was also in Disgraced off Broadway at Lincoln Center. He is currently on the show Evil on CBS. Um, He was on The Daily Show uh, for years. He's done a million movies like too many to enumerate um and you definitely know who he is uh and it, if you don't immediately know him by name you certainly will recognize his face um he's also written a book called no lands man which i didn't realize which i think according to uh wikipedia anyway is being developed into a movie i mean the guy's prolific okay uh <laughs> 
Anyway, um, I also adore him. And he we have such uh, an amazing chat. We talk about his past, his what he experienced growing up. The conversation um, also goes to current politics and Black Lives Matter and um, then becomes a larger conversation about um, – feelings inside of worthlessness and um, feelings of superiority and um, how we contend with those feelings uh, inside. And then, of course, like the circumstances of the world, which sometimes thinks that some people or things are superior and other things are inferior. Um, and it's just a conversation that goes in a million different places. Um, and he's so candid and so generous. Um, and it's really a special thing um, to be able to talk with him about all of this stuff. Um, he, like all of us, struggles often with a sense that he hasn't done enough, isn't enough. Um, he struggles with a sense of worth worthlessness as we all do, um, even though he's, by all accounts, achieved huge things in his life. Um, so I just always love it when someone's willing to share about their experience in that way, because I feel like it's so um, helpful to people everywhere who've f had that same experience of feeling worthless, um, which we all have. Uh, so Please enjoy this episode today with Asif. He's such a, a great, loving guy, and um, this conversation is really wide-ranging, and um, we had a lot of fun. So enjoy. It is Thanks. a skeleton, and you Thanks, have to guys. discover where the bones go. What I need for my life, I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You must use it like an ingredient for yourself. Yeah, okay, so go ahead. <laughs> no, I was saying that you had been asking me to do this for a long time, and I always said no. No, I didn't say no. <laughs> I was just like not in LA. And you were like, we got to do it in person. And it was like, and I was like, all right, well, when I'm in LA, and now, of course, nobody does anything in person. I know. Now we're like used to the Zoom. So thing. we've all had to adapt. I know. I know. But I like your microphone. That's a good microphone. I don't have one of those. I know. I wish you Is did, it, but that's okay. okay. You're going to sound fine. I mean, you're going to sound like you sound on Zoom, you know. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, but I think I have maybe a little bit of crack engineering that my producer, Augusta, can maybe do to make you sound a little bit better, but, um, but I don't know. Like I Whatever can't. you can do, it'll, I'll, take it. I'll take um, it. Okay, we were talking about babies, and you were just—we were saying that it's like an ever-changing landscape. I was. Um, it is, isn't it? Oh, and then I was so going to tell you. I do because yours yeah. is older than mine. Right. So mine is now two years and like four months, and it does oh. get—it gets much more kind of consistent. But we yeah. had a lot of like feeding bedtime stuff, like because our daughter has always been like in the bottom like 10th 
10 percentiles or whatever. Like she's always oh, wow. been like, but tall, but like just skinny. skinny. Right, right. And, and so the doctor's always been like, you gotta get her to eat. You got, you gotta like, you know, like, and like special like weigh-ins and shit. Right. Even though, by the way, she looks totally fine. She's just right. like not very interested in food. Like she kind of just <laughs> could care less. Um, so that's always been some source of stress. Um, and you were just, yeah, you it's, just it's your- amazing. It's amazing. Um, how much like there's the, the, you know, when you're a first time parent, you just don't know. You just, the, and, and, and what's been really weird about this is that like, we don't know so much. And because of the pandemic and because he was born in the middle of COVID, we haven't like been going out. Like, so it's not like we've been going to like, I mean, normally like a guess, I mean, I don't know, normally, whatever, like, like people, Shafali, my wife would be taking him and, and we'd maybe both be going to like mommy groups right. and like hanging right. out with other little kids and talking, you know, and there's been none of that because right. he, we've been in lockdown and like, basically like not got like the first four months of his life he didn't see anyone else. Like he right. was like, we didn't go out. Like he didn't see the outside. And, and, and so it's like, it's a lot of, uh, it, because he's, you don't know, there's just a lot of anxiety around like, you know, what, what is it? Like, he's, why is he coughing? Yeah. What is that? You know, like, why is he not eating? Like, you know, and we had the same, a similar thing where he was eating great and he would like, he was gaining weight and he was never like a, a fat one of those kids babies that you yeah. see that just like, yeah, like those like delicious, look like chubby. you know Oliver Hardy and just like kind of you know <laughs> yeah. and and he was not that he was like a skinny kid and but he was eating and he was gaining weight and then suddenly like he stopped eating and he's not gaining yeah. weight and then he's he's had reflux and so oh. we've been dealing you know and so it's it's like well you freak out you know and you're like oh my god what? and then the pediatrician is like well you know, you got to get him, bring him back in two weeks. And I want to see his weight back up. Exactly. Again. That's what our doctor said. Like, and then you're like, oh shit. And then you're pumping like formula into him. And, you know, and just like, cause we've been breast, my wife's been breastfeeding. Yeah. And so and it's just, um, it's just a, and sometimes you just feel like you're shooting in the dark. Like we, he's had reflux and the pediatricians will be like, well, it's reflux. Uh, you know, and, and, and then you like, the, we, we had an ear infection, an ENT, and the ENT was like, yeah, it could be the ear infection, it could be teething, maybe he's teething. And you just don't, and everyone's sort of, I feel like it's one of those way, things where yeah. everyone knows something about what's wrong with your baby, but nobody really knows. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, and unless it's like, God forbid, like it's super serious, like most of the time it's like, most people's attitude is just kind of like, it'll just grow. It'll get over it. It'll, it'll grow up and it'll be fine. And, you know, and, and, and meanwhile, you know, you've got this stuff like, well, he's not, that's the other thing. He's not reaching his benchmarks. He's not, he's not rolling over. He's not. And then you think like, there's gotta be something wrong with him. You know, like what if something's wrong with him? And then, and then, you know, you're like, and then he was not rolling over, not rolling over. And then one day he just rolled over. And then he was like, you know, and now he's like rolling around everywhere. And it's like, and for a long time, we were like, what's wrong with him? Maybe he's got like some problem. Like, like, and Shafali is such a reader. My wife is such a, you know, she's yeah. voracious. Like she takes in so much information. So she's just like, well, the American Pediatric Society says, that, you know, he really should be rolling over by eight yeah. months. And these are the milestones. And we've got a nanny who's like, was like, well, you know, like, 
we got to get him to like do, we got to get tummy these time or whatever. It's like, yeah. Tummy time, tummy time, you know? Yeah. By oh the way, God. does your, if you're, since your wife is such a reader, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the Rye Method? Yes, actually we are. In fact, okay. it's funny that you say that because we are now doing that. Yeah. This is, this is the one where it's like, like just about letting him play and discover and all that, right? Yeah. So this is, it's funny that you say that because we're actually right now just starting that and kind of, and we, um, Shafali has been going to these uh, like classes, online classes, and they've been doing- Rye classes? Yeah. Okay, you know what, yeah. With, August was in Rye classes like always. Yeah. So well, good. the thing is that she, my wife, I went to like English boarding school and you know, all that. And Shafali went to like Montessori type school, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she went to like, she grew up in Atlanta and she went to like this Hippie. super, like, you know, where like, I think from like, maybe third grade to like senior, like it was all the classes were based on food, clothing and shelter. Mm -hmm. Like it was all just about like that. So they'd just be like walks in nature and you know, everything was sort of like, if you're familiar with Montessori, that's yeah. what it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all about like no lack of, not very much structure and all this stuff. And, so she's really like, that's what we're going to do. And we've discovered now this rhyme method and we're going to do that. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, it I could good. not speak more highly of this rhyme method. And we really, um, we're just really into it with our daughter and our daughter yeah. now is just insanely precocious in a, in a good, like in a, in an age appropriate way. She right, just like right. her language and her physical abilities and um, her, right. the her level of awareness and maturity just with interactions with adults. Mm -hmm. And, and we, it's so incredible and it, we really do credit the Rye method for yeah. that. Um, she's yeah. just because we've always spoken to her in such a respectful way we never treated her like a baby yeah. in, in like an age appropriate way like if she cries we pick her up and we give her love and we comfort her but we've never like yay you, let me whip you around and throw right, you down because right. you're like some kind of object or oh you're right, on the phone right. and you're changing your diaper and you're not paying attention or i mean you know of course you can't right. be perfect 100 percent right of the time, yeah no we we, yeah. we talk to him a lot you know like he um i mean i'm the goofball so i'm just like always making <laughs> yeah Jim. my whole thing is like i'm just always making stupid faces at him and just and he cracks up and so then i'm like why can i why can't we just like hang out and like crack each other up oh you like, can and then Charlie's like he's gotta do like he's gotta eat like he's time for him to eat. <laughs> and i'm like we're just hanging out cracking each other up yeah. but um but yeah we always talk to him and now we're doing that thing where you know it's like um listen, I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to change your clothes now. All right. So this is what we're doing. And we're going to, you know, just to give him a sense of like agency of some kind, you know, cause otherwise people are whipping clothes off and exactly. it's it was, like, what's happening yeah. to me? And he's getting thrown around, you know? Yeah. So we just like, we're going to, we're going to trying to talk to him. Yeah. I have to say like, it's, it's a different approach for me. Like, I mean, I never grew up like that. You know, my parents barely knew I was even yeah. existed at some point, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it was, um, it's, it's, it's good. I like it. You know, it's kind of, look, I, I, you know, I think we all, we all want our kids to have 
a better experience than we did. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but it's and I great. think it also pays dividends. I mean, like yeah. our, my ultimate fantasy, my ultimate goal is that my kid at I mean, 15 may be pushing it, but let's say like 20, 25, 30, like wants to hang out with me and Jim, you know, like it like like looks forward to going on family vacations or looks forward to coming home for the holidays. That's Mm -hmm. my real fantasy is like, because if I I just feel like that's such a testament to the kind of parent you are and to the kind of parenting your kid receives. If, If you can stay connected in that way to your kid as they grow up through their rebellions, through their individuation, through all of that, it really is testament to your level of like fundamental respect for them, frankly, Mm -hmm. as infants, (laughs) like from zero to three, if you can have that, like if you can connect with your kid and in a way that shows them that you really see them and hear them and respect Mm -hmm. them, then that really never goes away. And it is these, you know, I I think it was Jung who said, like, show me the child of three and I'll show you the, the adult. And Right. I really, I really think that's true. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it. And it takes so much patience to really Mm -hmm. like slow down and like, you know, then she went through a phase where she refused to get into her car seat and we're like in a rush to go somewhere. And she's like, and you just want to be like, you know what? I'm going to yeah. buckle you in and I don't have time for this shit. Like, just like fucking be quiet. You're getting no, I know. It's, it's you really, it's really hard. We had it. T- I had it today where like this, you know, we have our, again, because of COVID, like our cleaning lady comes mm-hmm. on and then we have to leave the house. Right. I know. Yeah. Right. So we're yeah. like, so we're not here when we can't be in the house at the same time as she's here. So she comes and we have to leave. And it used to be like in the summertime, we just go to the park and we right. like hang out and whatever, right? But now it's New York Freezing. and it's cold and today was blizz- like raining and windy and miserable. So um, I've been getting the zip car. Oh, and, smart. And I, get a, and I got a zip, this is the first time we did it. Like I got a zip car and we basically got in the car, put him in the car seat and we just drove around. And of course, we're hoping he'll fall asleep because his nap time and right. you know that stuff. Because we got him on a nap <laughs> schedule as well, right? Of he's on so, two. He's still on two naps, right? He's or on is the he three naps. Still? No, he takes that third nap still. Oh, he does still, yeah. But we're hoping that that will, you know. But but we sleep trained him and he's good. Like you know, unless he has some problem or something. But he's yeah. really good now. He's yeah. That was that was a whole other thing. But um, today, you know, just trying to get him to take his bottle and and and. And Shafali's like, you know, just try to like, um, you know, I'm sitting, oh, she, oh, so we had hot water, it fell on Shafali's hand, she burned her hand, she was oh. like, go back inside, put ice on my hand, so she's inside, she's like get, running her hand in the cold, and she's like, you gotta just give him the milk, just gotta take the bottle. So I'm sitting in the driver's seat with this kid, and he just doesn't, he's like, he's like looking, what is that? What's the people? The rain, oh my God, the rain is so interesting. And I'm just like, please, just drink the drink bottle. Drink the bottle. <laughs> just drink the bottle. And I started, and you know, like the songs, right? Like, it's like, now you're like, Five little monkeys jumping on the bed. Yeah. One fell off and, <laughs> and bumped his head. And I'm seeing that song and I'm just like, Mama called the doctor and the doctor said, we're going to call child services because you keep <laughs> having these monkeys fall off the bed and hurt themselves. <laughs> and, and, then, and I'm like making up 
like all of my anxiety is going into the songs yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. singing. Yeah. And he's just like, it was just one of those things I was like, and then she finally comes back and she's like, you can't talk to him like that. Like he's an eight month old. Like he doesn't yeah. know. Like I just want to drink his milk. He just needs to drink the milk. Cause then he's going to um, go down for his nap. Oh, it's all just. You know, I get great. it. I really it get does. it. So it just would it like, I mean, and I mean, it's so funny because I, you know, now she's older. And so we're dealing with like di- kind of different stuff. Although, yeah. but that stuff does get, e- I mean, as that soon as they get easier. language, like, and they, I mean, my daughter Once they will can start change. speaking. I mean, I imagine yeah. it, it all changes. Yeah. Because they can tell you what they want. and what Right. They and sometimes want. it's not what you want. So then you're right. dealing with like. And you're in that, that thing. But how do you risk communication? Like yeah. right now he's, he's talking away. Like he's like, he's like, but he's, you know, like clearly. Like, and then Shivali's teaching him like, I <laughs> just, she's like, you know, teaching him the sign language, right? Like, like more or finish. Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. more? Or finish, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Is he going to get that? Is he going to get them? Well, more? they do. They do actually get that. To be truthful, we started with the sign language and it does, it's nice for a little bit, but then we were actually told by one of August Rye teachers that sign language stuff. And I don't know if this is true. Like, don't quote me on that. Like, don't like people listening. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not an expert, but what we heard was that it actually can delay speech because they get so comfortable with the sign language that they're kind of oh, like, I can communicate this way. Yeah. They have no incentive to right. like, to make themselves. Well, he's not doing the sign language either. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think have to worry well, about it. it's just a huge experiment. And like, I wonder if, 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 I mean, as we're talking, like the thing that that like comes to mind is some something about humanness and just parenting and how there's sort yeah. of like parenting to really like it, it. It feels like such an embodied experience. Like, like I, I mean, sometimes I talk to my friends who don't have kids, and you know, look, everyone is human. Everyone is also crazy. Everyone's going through their own thing. It's not like there's some huge divide between parents and non-parents or whatever. But my experience is that before I was a parent, I could very sort of easily like find, I could just take care of myself and reap the benefits of really taking care of myself, getting enough sleep. You know, like I used to wake up and not fucking look at my phone until 1 PM because I was journaling and meditating and exercising and like doing like all my like self-care, like expansion shit, which is all really important. But when you're a parent and especially, and I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I know it's the same sort of for dads, but for moms, I mean, because I breastfed and like, watching out for that my milk supply and then like having her on me and drinking yeah. from me and like well, having to watch what I eat or don't eat and then not drinking. Well, crazy. Eat, not I mean, drinking one, of the things, one of the things that's been really interesting for me is that because he was born in the world that he's, he was born into, I was just, I was here mm-hmm. the same way Shafali. Well, you know, I wasn't like off working or shooting or whatever. Like I was at home. Like, and so I experienced that whole mm-hmm. sort of, you know, thing, the breastfeeding and all that. I was very like involved, not involved mm-hmm. in like, I mean, it's, there is a definite experience that a mother has that a father just doesn't have. Yeah. Well, but I think parenting, the point is like parenting is so embodied, like you, you're, it's so, it's so earthbound, you know, like there's really yeah. no escaping like the bottle, the body and the body's growing and the body's formation and your body attached to this like other person's body as father yeah. or mother and like their sleep schedule and their food schedule. Like it's so yeah. 
it's so grounded in like humanness and, and not knowing, not fucking knowing like what they need and like all, you know, it's really like the most human I've ever felt, you know, in a way. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's everything. It's like, you know, and that's, and I, I will say this, I think that there's a, you know, between my friends, I mean, a lot of my friends have kids now. She probably has friends that still don't have, or don't have children or don't want children. And that's, that's fine. But, but like, it's one of those things where you realize that, the, that once you've had a kid, you have sort of gone over into another world of, mm-hmm. of an experience of something, you know, that people, especially in New York, you know, where you've just got people who are like, yeah, you know, like, like you're just, you're just thinking, everything is, is, is now thought of in a whole different way, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's, and it's so, um, it's interesting. I mean, even the, even just the, the risks associated with COVID, you know, which has oh been a big push, like just even going to a restaurant or whatever. And then, and then like, it's like, you know, some people will be like, well, look, we're just going to sit outside and it's gonna be fine. You know, but, but then suddenly we're thinking like, oh yeah, but, we can't bring a Sean because he's doesn't can't wear a mask. And, and and the risk level that for us is suddenly greater, you know, yeah. it's, like, it's like, suddenly it's like, Oh, this just all becomes much more precarious, you know? Yeah. But I think it is, there is a whole um, experience of, of life that, that you don't, um, you know, you're just thrown into when you, when you suddenly become a parent. Did it, has it given you empathy? Well, hold on. Before I ask that, um, can you just like go, can you tell us about your like background? You mentioned English boarding school. You mentioned that maybe your parents sometimes didn't even know you existed. I mean, obviously they didn't raise you. They knew I existed, but they had better things to deal with. (laughs) but like, can you tell us about that? Like, where did you grow up and what, you know, what was your, what's your background like? And um, I grew up in the UK. I, I actually, um, wait, what was the first part of the question? Where, uh, where did, like, just about your background, where did you grow oh, up? So, yeah, so I, I, I basically, I was born in India and then my family moved to the UK when I was a year old and I grew up there. Okay. In the north of England in a place called Bradford in the, in the very industrial sort of, so I grew up very kind of, you know, in the coal mining working class, Northern English town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weirdly went from there to Florida and my parents moved in 82 to, from, from Bradford, England to decided to move to the United States and then ended up like my dad had a buddy who like he went to college with who was living in Tampa and then he was like, you should come to Tampa. It's a city of the future. It's amazing. Wait, your dad he, went to college with someone who lived in Tampa? Oh, okay. My, my dad went to college with a guy in India. Okay, got it. Who had emigrated and then ultimately settled in Tampa. And how old were you when you went to Tampa? I was 16. Oh, so you were already like, so you really grew up in England. Yeah, I grew up in England. I was 16. I was like, I went to boarding school and then I went to like, I was in private school and all. And then. Now, how were you living in a coal mining town and then you went to boarding school and private school? Like, well, it was like, we, I mean, when I say coal mining town, Bradford is a, is a big city, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my dad. And so they had outside of Bradford, 
there was this very prestigious school called Woodhouse mm. School, and it was a boarding school. And it was, and I, I got my parents wanted me to go there because you know, being Indian parents, they were like, "You got to get a great education, otherwise, you know, whatever." Like, you feel like that's embedded into your culture. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's sort of like I'm that's, a Jew. We we feel like that too. Right, exactly. Right. So it's it's the same thing. So it's like kind of like you know, you got to go and you got to get. So I was basically not good at anything except English and drama. And, and that was the only things I could do. And my parents were like, you're going to have to like, you know, so they, I, I failed. So these, the, the, the school had an entrance exam that you couldn't get in without passing the entrance exam, right? And I failed the entrance exam. I failed every entrance exam, every like major boarding, like, like, like prestigious school in the, in the region, right? Like, there was Bradford Grammar School. There was like another one called Full Neck. And there was another one. Mm-hmm. And there were all these like very like where you wore uniforms and it was like very, it wasn't like the public school, like, you know, the regular, it was like private school. And my parents were not wealthy, but they were like, we need to, you know, to shell out the money. And to, and I kept failing all of the entrance exams and I couldn't get in anywhere. And it was like hugely embarrassing. Um, and so finally Woodhouse Grove actually said, well, we'll let him be a student, but he has to uh, be a, a boarding student. Um, and that means you have to live here. And and the reason clearly was they made twice as much tuition money right. for on borders that they did on day students. So but you, you yeah. lived close enough to the school to... Right. So my parents only lived like 15 miles away, wow. but I still lived at school wow. because it was the only way I could get into this school. Right. So they said, okay, we'll, 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 we'll overlook his grade, his entrance exam and we'll let him in. And then they let me in. And then that was a year of like complete, like, I hated it. I hated it so much. It was like, it was a very, I mean, I wrote about it in my book actually, but I, it's, it was a very, um, by the way, this is how little fucking research I do on people. You do no research. That I didn't know. No, I don't do shit. I don't do any research. I didn't know that you wrote a book. I didn't know that you wrote a book. What is your book called? Yeah. Uh, my book is called No Lands Man. Oh, you're so cool. You're just so like, like, you know, off of the no man's land, right? Which, which is often, it often gets mistaken for that. But it's No Lands Man. It's uh-huh. available on Amazon. You can get it. And is this and a I, memoir? And the audio book is available. You can, I'll read it to you. Is I'll, it, you'll read it to me? in your car. We huh? read it to, to, will you read it to my daughter and me? Yeah, yeah. You can be in your car and I'll read it to you. Oh, good. You. I'll listen to it. Um, okay. All right. Oh, fuck. I love how you like, I'll listen to it after Wait, we do. Can this I just make a point though? I don't, like, here's the thing. I'm not, it's not that I'm lazy. It's just that the whole point of this show and frankly, the whole right. point of life, I mean, in general, like, I don't. I want to, accomplishments are really fun and really cool and really like drool worthy and like very interesting. But, but I like to live by the belief that they actually don't mean very much. That's important about you. Um, Mm -hmm. That like, they're like fun candy on top of the essence of who you are, which is actually just like this golden, delicious human that has nothing to do with your books that you wrote or the tv shows that you've been on and so that's partially why i don't really 
research stuff. It's yeah, yeah. in truth, I don't really care that much. And it's called acting real. And I interview these actors because I feel like acting actors sometimes can have special kind of access to this like mm-hmm. um like very kind of um un not earthbound energetic because that's our training um because we're taught to to be able to embody like everyone and no one right so this is i get super esoteric but i just want <laughs> i guess i'm excusing myself i i don't want you to think that i i'm not super impressed and love that you wrote a book no no i don't I, I honestly i didn't say to impress anyone i just was of saying it's not no i want to know okay so I sorry i didn't mean to and, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't care if you wrote the book. And I, I, know, if I you know. didn't. And I know that that's what this is about. So it's yeah. like, and just in as much to say that, like, it was a seminal experience for me in so much as I wrote about it, like, decades later. Mm. Because, and then what was really weird was the guys I went to, because it was a place that for me was filled with a lot of abuse and violence and racism and homophobia. And it was just that kind of, you just put a bunch of 13 year old boys together yeah, and let them just do whatever they want. And you've got Lord of the Flies. Like it's basically just that. Probably right? also in a very authoritarian environment. Yeah, you've got, you've got a kind of class system because it's England, right? So it's like, but it's, you know, it's been written about before and, and other people have written about this idea. You know, it's kind of Harry Potter without all the magic, magic and the cool stuff. It was just Harry Potter. It was going to look like Harry Potter, but it was filled with the dark. In fact, I, I sometimes think I should write a version of Harry Potter, but like the real one where it's like just dark and like violent and, and you know, like it has like, there's no magic. It's just, a, it's like, it's all earth, very real. And, and, you know, like, and I, and I could get into the stories about it, but, but the point is that like, it was a miserable place. And especially if you were Brown in that very white, sort of, you know, these were, these were, and most of these kids who live, who went to this school were there because, you know, their parents were like working in in the oil business and they were, Mm. you know, traveling the world or they were diplomats, kids, you know, and they were, they, they, they were sort of like, and and I, it was weird for me because my father was a shopkeeper and he lived like down the street, you know. Yeah. And so what, like, how has that experience, I mean, this is obviously a huge question, but I'm wondering since, you know, you're very self-aware and you've written books about it and stuff, like what, how does this, how, how would you say it's shaped you like most uh, sort of clearly? I mean, I think that probably, uh, interesting. I mean, I mean, I think it was, it was, it was destructive in a way, like it was, it sort of made me, um, well, in some ways it sort of made me go inward, you know, it made me, and maybe that's where I found like the artist or whatever, you know, like, like, like I sort of went into my own dream world and kind of, you know, created 
stuff in that way. And, and maybe it made, you know, but also like, maybe I have a kind of um, weird kind of, um, what's that word when you have like a fetish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for, this is going to sound weird, but it's like, it's like, it's almost like I was given the message that I was inferior to sort of white male heterosexual masculinity. Mm. Right. And that was what was what you had to be, you know? And Mm. so there was a kind of thing of like, if you weren't that, um, then you were inferior in some ways. So it, it really, so there's a, a part of me that I think has always wanted to get the affirmation of like the, the larger culture, which is made up of sort of that world of like, you know, uh, white, white, heterosexual. white power. And I don't mean like, you know, in, even in necessarily in a white supremacist kind of way, but like just the world is shaped by like white men, you know, yeah. or, or that's been my experience. And so, and the certainty of that, in fact, I was just talking about this with Shafali the other day where I was like, it's funny how I've always been impressed and sort of slightly had like a kind of, you know, or wanting to like have a kind of certainty that exists when you have privilege, and especially white privilege. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of certainty that comes with that, you know, where like I know my the world is mine and this is what's true. And you can go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? And that is something that I have never been able to own and always wanted to have. And so it might, it might have to do with anger. It might have to do with like, you know, like it it sort of made me not allowed to like express a a rage around that, you know, Um, because it wasn't. um, So there was a lot of, because there was a lot of bullying and there was a lot of like, yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was like, yeah, I'm always, it was always interested by like, you know, kids coming up today, like even, not even today, but even like young, older, like, you know, even kids who are younger than me, but, but older than like my niece or whatever was in high school now, but like in terms of their own otherness, they are so comfortable now or, or much more comfortable with their own otherness. We've come to a place where like, I feel like that, and and I was never growing up comfortable with my own otherness. Like I was always trying to fit in and trying to like embody, you know what I mean? Like not be other. Yeah. Be, it's interesting. Know. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, this is so fascinating and I have so many other questions for you, but I, I would posit that like actually like so, any, any kind of, sense of superiority or safety even that we derive from this white supremacist delusion that white people white especially or you know white uh white 
cis male supremacy. Um, Any of the safety we derive is actually like um, not, you know, it's, it's, it's a reaction against whatever latent or repressed feelings of otherness we have. And in that sense, like any kind of attachment we have to white supremacy or, or, or anything that we imagine gives us power or superiority is really holding us back from a real human experience. I mean, you know, human. I mean, mean, it's, you know, it's fascinating because it's like, it's always, I think I'm a little bit like obsessed with, like I've always found myself really like interested in colonialism, mm-hmm. especially coming being you know my family's Indian and you know and, and not that we were direct, but like the idea of the what gets injected into your almost like into your unconscious and and colonialism and slavery and imperialism these things do that what they tell mm-hmm. what they do is they 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 embody they they give you the message that like oh here this is the superior race this is the superior culture mm-hmm. if you could be like us then you're cool mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if you can't you know have you read cast yet have I read what cast no Oof. um it's it's all it likens you know white supremacy to uh, the caste system in right. India, um, or it, it draws many parallels between right. and the the caste system and white supremacy in America, and you know in the period of enslavement and um, and the Holocaust, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a, a discussion of how you know how maybe um, the the writer posits that it's more this is brilliant and I'm gonna now forget her name Isabel Wilk- Isabella Wilkerson I think but she posits that. Like it's not just about race; that it's in fact about caste. That like caste is a much larger um, construct than than even race right. is, um, or or that it's a more significant um, construct than race, and that, yeah. that that actually like the issues we have in in all of those areas where you can have more to do with caste than race. Anyway. Right. Um, I, I was hoping that you'd maybe read that book because I'm curious too, because you're Indian. I mean, I mean, your right. parents grew up in India and I, um, like, I mean, I'm curious, like, are there any flavors from, I mean, that's still deeply ingrained in. Well, we're, my family is Muslim, so we didn't deal with the, with the caste system in the, in the Hindu sense of the caste, but you know, it's interesting that stuff is is around caste and rape feels like it is it's systemically created right so like you're 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 dealing with it on a personal level but you're also dealing with it on a systemic level you know mm-hmm. where and, and and it's interesting for me like i found that like even being in this business as an actor right like when i first started out there were very few South Asian actors in Hollywood or working, you know, I came out to LA in 1996, couldn't get a, couldn't get cast. Like I had all my friends were getting pilots and they were, and I couldn't like, nobody was writing any roles. There was no part, like maybe one part, you know, for like a Brown guy on a show. Like it was just, and you know, I kept, 
doing it and whatever. And, and when I finally started getting success, it was almost like there's a, a message sort of sent that says, Oh, you know, like you have now, you, you've, you've overcome whatever it is that are your, the, the thing, your brownness, your otherness, whatever. And you've entered the hallowed halls of success in this business, you know, and you, you would think that then years later, when other brown people start getting parts and start getting stuff, I would be like, oh, that's great. But the reality is my psyche goes, no, the fuck? Like, that means less for me. Right, sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, because the psychology of it is that like, there's not enough room for this many brown people. Yeah. You know, and that's what gets created, right? It's like, it's this created of this, of this thing of like, you're special and maybe mm. you and a few special, you know what I mean? And then, and then it's like, when everybody comes in, you just open the doors, what the fuck? Like, yeah. By the way, I'm realizing that it's like dark in here. Let me turn it on. It is done dark. Is that your apartment or is that LA? No, this is, no, it's LA. LA got dark, <laughs> but I hadn't adjusted my lighting situation yet. Um, yeah, it's really like interesting to me um, how much this idea that there is such a thing as specialness that like specialness means something that there are like specials and others and that like how much that idea ultimately in the end is destructive for everyone across the board the specials Mm -hmm. and the others because when you have such a delineation or even like a ranking system, like how special is that? Maybe, you know, you're at the top of the specials and they're at the bottom of the specials or at the top of the others. And then you go into the bottom of the specials and then you go back into the other or like whatever the the ranking system is, like what a fucking mind fuck it is for anyone involved, even if they're at the tip top of the specials. Because like when you, when we collectively like buy into that kind of thinking, we can always like... First of all, it's lonely as fuck, right? Because like, who, how, what if you don't feel that special that day? And you can't right. tell people because you want to like hold on to that identification. Right. Because it's very threatening to go elsewhere because then you're, you're like downgraded. And second of all, like, of course, we all know that we can slip, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very like scary kind of, um, mentality and 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 i'm i'm not i'm not like saying like oh like i'm not saying like you're you've been very vulnerable in sharing that and i think that's universal i think we live in a in a in a culture that deifies and that that has a lot of ranking and and frankly just narcissism and in this thought this is some idea that there's like such a thing as success and such a thing as like great and special and such a thing as like like not special not okay not right you know and um, and it's really divisive and doesn't serve us in my opinion and and frankly it's something that we all have to at least at some point i hope like try to get over yeah i mean it's 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 but again i think it goes back to like it's yes we need to get over it but it's also it's the water that we 
swim in. I know. I and know. it's like a fish swimming around in water going like, this fucking water is bullshit. Like, we got to get out of this water. <laughs> we gotta stop swimming. We got to stop being like oppressed by the water. Okay, like, but so what do you do? The water. Right. <laughs> well, so, okay. So I also, I want to divide this. Con- I want to like, um, like I, I want to both like zoom out and zoom in. First, I want to zoom in because we are in a very particular time right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and you, you're, you're brown, okay? But we're in. This is where the the Black Lives Matter movement is, yeah, like roaring in such an inspiring and such a cool way, yeah. in my estimation. So, I mean, just such a hopeful thing that we've gained so much awareness around. Um, black people and their experience in America and what we can do to amplify and, you know, all of the things that we're doing right now in this particular period, what, like, as someone who's Brown, do you, how, I mean, what, how do you feel? Like, and what's been your experience and have you, have you experienced a change? I mean, my experience is that, Look, what black people have gone through in this country and the, you know, the, the sort of karmic debt that America owes African-Americans, you know, mm-hmm. like this kind of, it's deep. It's, it's deep in the soil of this, of this land. And, and, and I, it's interesting for me because I come to this country as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'm not of the American earth you know, as it were, right? Like, I don't always even understand the American psyche mm-hmm. uh, because I, I've i often sort of called myself a Tudukin, which is like I'm, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is like I'm a little Indian baby and an English schoolboy mm-hmm. wrapped in an American adult, you know? And so there's kind of this split identity inside of me, but, I, but, but I'm not... And, and, and the experience of race in this country, like I dealt with racism in England. I dealt with like being a, called a wog and a packy and mm. paced down the street after school and being kicked, you know, being beat up by a bunch of kids in a back alley, you know. Mm. And, you know, my friends saying like, let's go packy bashing and they would run after me and beat me up, you know. So I experienced that and and, and, and friends of mine who have, the the brown people who live in England who then have that experience. And then I came to America and it was a different experience. I didn't have that same kind of racism here. It was a more, because here it's, somebody once said like growing up in England, what matters is, I don't know who said it. I forget who said it, but anyway, growing up in England, what matters, in England, what matters is that whether or not you're you're white, like that defined if you if you know you're you're white, you're white, you're English, you're mm. white and English. In America, it's are you black? Because if you're black, you're at the bottom. Mm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter if you're Kamala Harris or you're Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Like you're black. Mm. You know? And that's a very American sort of experience, that relationship between black Americans and this country and African, that like, like I don't necessarily feel like I know that experience in the way that, or have 
you know, the civil rights, that what happened in the 60s, what happened in slavery, like it's a very American story. And it's a very thing that is, this country is still trying to figure out and, and yeah. struggling with. And you can see like clearly today, the reason Black Lives Matter had such a, you know, it was clearly like a tinderbox because we had COVID and we had the thing and then, you know, Trump and all this stuff and it just sort of mm-hmm. exploded. And, but, but, you know, I, and, and I think it's, it's incredibly important that, that the American psyche the collective American psyche ultimately like come to terms mm-hmm. with its horrific racial past and this myth of American exceptionalism and how great this country is that has been sold across the world, including to me as a little English kid in the North of England, dreaming of coming to America, mm. right? Like every immigrant, but that myth does not exist for black people. Mm-hmm. Like immigrants come here because America is the land of opportunity and the land of plenty and the land of where well, we're going to make it and our kids are going to have better lives than we're going to have. And there's all this, that has been sold since the second world war. Like that story of like, come to America and the world is amazing here. It's better than anywhere you've ever been, you know? For black Americans, that has not been the case and has never been the story. Yeah. So for black Americans, it's like, what America are you fucking talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it's not our America, not the America we're living in. So I think that thing that needs to like, we need to have that. That we need to, we need to like, that's the sort of baseline where that's where the conversation starts. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and as far as I'm concerned, like for me, like, I'm like, my experience of race in this country was been, was there. It existed. I definitely experienced it. It was much more benign, you yeah. know, I, I experienced Islamophobia in a much more sort of, you know, by the time I got Islam, by the time 9-11 happened, I was on TV. So it was like, it was, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, but that guy from TV. But the thing is that like, I did experience Islamophobia and, 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 and sort of like dealt with that. But like, I never had the experience of like, not being able to get a cab in New York or being terrified if a police officer pulled me over right. and asked me a simple, for traffic violation or my headlight was out and suddenly a cop pulls me over just to tell me like, you know, I never had that experience. So, um, you know, and at the same time, I, I hope that this conversation around Black Lives Matter opens the door to the larger conversation of like, you know, there are many, many um, people in this country dealing with the 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 repercussions of racism, you know. Yeah. But we gotta we gotta deal with the black white scenario first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before you start talking about Asians or whatever, like the I, black I, thing is like is like until that really because black people in this country are like you know even I mean the racism exists even in the Indian community, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like you can come to America and it's like, 
you know, I'll just say it like, you know, like many, uh, I'm sure like a lot of Indian, I mean, Mira Nair made a movie about it called Mississippi Masala, right? Mm. Which is basically like, you can date a white guy or a white girl, but don't date a black guy. Don't mm-hmm. date a black girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't date the blacks, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it's a, and it's a class thing. It's a socioeconomic thing. It's like, you know, because, uh, and, and it, it's really, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I just, I feel like I, I had to call it out cause it's like, I love to get, I love to, to zoom out and get kind of philosophical and talk about the psychology of like rank ranking things and things being at the top and things being at the bottom or more right. desirable or undesirable. And I, and I love talking about that in, in those terms, talking about this discuss having this discussion in those very sort of broad um, almost like sociological philosophical terms, but yeah. I, I don't want to do that at the cost of ignoring or, or diminishing what is a very real thing, which is that black people get disproportionately murdered by fucking police and disproportionately yeah, I mean, behind bars. And I mean, there's actual, actual real intense, acute suffering that black Americans are experiencing now. And I mean, don't even, I mean, right. forget 400 years of, of the most degrading, disgusting, horrific. Right. And it's been, and it's been, right. And it has been a, it hasn't, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. It, no. it, happened, it happened on purpose, you know, just in terms of even like what's happening right now, you, you know, with Trump and all these, like the, the election and all that, whatever, right? Like, and they're talking about voter IDs and, you know, and, and, and I was just thinking the other day, I was like, when you say to someone, well, you know, everybody should have an ID to vote, right? If you don't think about it much, you go like, yeah, that makes total sense. Everyone should have an ID to vote. That's right. Damn it. God damn it. Yes, that's true. And then you get into it a little bit and you realize, oh, the, the reason that everyone, th- they're trying to make everyone have IDs is because it disproportionately affects black people and people of color who don't have, many of them who don't have IDs, right? And, and it's, and, 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 uh, or, or government, I'm going to say government issued ID, i.e. a passport or a driver's license, right? right. And so you realize like, and we don't need it by the way, because if you're registered to vote, you give them your social security number and you're, you're in the system and you don't need an ID. So we had, it was really interesting because it was like, I was like, I read this article and I was just like, suddenly I was like, and I did a whole piece about this on the daily show. Mm-hmm. And I read this article and it suddenly just occurred to me. I was like, Oh, right. Like it is, this is exactly what has happened in this country. And this is what I think many white people are waking up to, which is like, wait, Racism is not just an accident. It's not just something that like, yeah, it's like something you feel like you personally, or I'm not saying you, but I'm saying like a person personally feels. It's not about that. It's a systemic system of oppression that exists in order to keep certain people down and other people in positions of power. And that is what it is. And it's not about like, whether I'm racist or you're racist or not, I'm not racist. I like everyone. You know, right. I mean? you hear that all the time, right? right. And it's like, I respect everyone. Everyone's like, you know, and it's like, 
gives a fuck. I don't give a fuck if you respect everyone, you know, it's yeah. like, it's not yeah. about that. It's like, you got to fight against the, the system that's actively rep- repressing people right. in, a, in a legal way. Right. And, and, and people don't even know how to like people who are in the system don't even know how to not be in that system because it's literally about dismantling that system. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah. about like going, Oh yeah, the system that we have created has been built on a certain sort of, you know, uh, belief that white people are superior and, 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 and we have to dismantle, we have to take that apart and look at it and go, wait a minute, how do you, so anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and by the way, I said repression, I meant oppression. Um, I, and so, yes. And I, I just, I feel like it, I, I can't have these conversations without like these getting into some specifics nowadays, cause it just feels so important. And I, um, I feel like it's a real mistake to skirt over the, the actual like immediate human suffering and injustice that's happening. Um, although, you know, I love to kind of live in the land of esoteric, psychological, emotional, like, um, and that's more my go-to. And speaking of that, like I, I do, I do kind of like to end this little chapter of our, our combo, like, and I don't mean to end our combo, although I am aware of the time. Um, like I, I want to know, I want to know just again to kind of zoom out, but also to get personal, like in your personal life, how do you, so you've, look, you're a very successful actor. Um, and, um, and you, I mean, you've done such cool shit. You have a published book. You've been on the daily show. Like you've been on lots of TV shows and cool movies. And like, you're a successful dude by all accounts how have you benefited from and how have you suffered from um, this idea that there is such a thing as better, worse, success, failure, like special other? Oh, you know, I mean. Like what's been the impact of, of that um, idea in your personal life and at what, or even to get more specific, like have there been points at which you felt elated and then have you, have there been points at which you felt just terribly depressed and sad? Because yeah. I mean, all the time, like that's, I mean, the thing is, it's funny because even as you say, like you're an incredibly successful actor, my brain goes to like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, there is, I mean, this is, you know, work that you do maybe for your whole life or at least, you know, like it it is about for a long time, my career was the only thing I had, right. That defined me. Maybe many actors can, can sort of relate to that, you know, like, it was, if I wasn't working, I didn't exist. And I was, I was worthless. And when I was working, I was awesome. And I was great. I was the greatest person. I was so worthy of everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is still a struggle, right? That is still a struggle. And it's, it's like, um, my, you know, and, 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 and so it, it's like, a, you know, using, I guess maybe like, it sounds like cliche, but like trying to find like a 
place of meditation and a place of that stuff. And also just like, for me, the my writing has helped me in terms of like trying to deal with that because it really is um, something where it's like, it's it's hard for me to accept that I have been successful, that people think of me as successful because I don't think of me as successful. I'm always comparing myself. You know, it's like the classic therapy sort of compare and despair. Like I'm constantly comparing and despairing. Well, so how do you combat that? Well, I, I, or work toward walk myself back, you know, I mean, because sometimes I'll literally compare and despair again with people that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even know, but don't even want what they have. Like, I'm not even like, like, I remember like a friend of mine saying to me once, like, do you want that? What that person has? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, why are you feeling like, why are you doing that? Then? And I'm like, because there's a sense of like, I should be doing more. I should, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine, lovely guy, he's a producer, big Broadway guy, and he's doing so much great stuff, and I'm so proud of him, you know, and like, he's just doing amazing stuff, and I came off the call, and I was just like, what am I doing? I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. Like, I suck, you know, and it's like, and then she finally was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you, you know, like you're on a TV show, you're on a, like a, a big hit TV show. Like you've got like a, a movie that you're trying to write. Like you've got like another project you're working. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, do you want to go be a Broadway producer? No. Well then what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, it's like, it, but there's this kind of, and maybe it's a partly again, like an immigrant thing. I don't know, but it's like, it's like that constant thing of like, I can't ever just stop and rest you know i teach myself that on a daily basis i have to like constantly not a daily basis but like on a pretty regular basis so what are your resources like do you go to therapy do you meditate what therapy i i have i have a therapist i meditate i write you know i i like journal or no i i try i try to like work on writing projects that I think are, you know, like I'm writing a movie right now, you know, and it's like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's any good or if it's ever going to get made or whatever, but it's just important for me to just like, you know, do it and, and, and sort of feel like I'm being creative or whatever in that way. But, but it's sort of, but it's, but it's definitely a thing in my life where I'm like, and, and look, having weirdly like, full circle, like having a kid mm-hmm. does kind of suddenly make you go like, oh, there is, there is a lot, there is more to life than just my, whether or not I get to go to the Emmys, you know, <laughs> like, right. it, it, it's like, you know, there's, there's something else, uh, going on here and there's something larger in my life and but it is it's 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 like it's like the little kid who wanted to be popular who wanted to be like you know the little kid who wanted the affirmation of all of those people that like 
you know, in boarding school and elsewhere, you know, the, the, um, wanted to do right by his parents. But like, it's still, um, it's still that. And, and, and maybe that, and, you know, and I'm always really like impressed with people who just don't give a fuck, you know? Mm. And, and I'm always like, Oh yeah. I wish I could not. Can you talk about that energy for a second? Like that energy of not giving a fuck. Like, do you know people, do you actually know people like that without naming names? Like, can you embody that? Can you talk about like what that yeah, is? I, like? I, I think it's like, it's like, it's like that feeling of knowing yourself and being just yourself and being like, I don't give a fuck if you like me or if you don't like me. And if uh, this is who I am and this is what you get, you know, and I'm so, and maybe it's, maybe I'm expecting too much of myself, but I'm so not that right. Like I'm, a, I'm a shapeshifter. I'm always like, what do you need? What do you need? Who, who should I be now? Who can I be to satisfy you? In this situation, you know yeah. what I mean? Like what do you, and, and so, and, and sometimes I can embody that. That's one of the characters I can embody is the guy who doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? And it's like, you know, that is, um, you know, again, it's, it's my, my therapist would say, this is where I don't embrace my multiplicity. Right. He was mm-hmm. like, he's like, you're multi- you have multiple, you know, whatever you have a multiplicity in you and that is okay. And that's, that's why you're an actor. It's why you're, you do what you do, you know, but at the same time, that sense of like trying to find the ground sometimes, you know, like we talk about like, Oh, we're always in the air and like, Oh, but like, like, finding like where do I sometimes plant myself you know and that is sometimes um I'm envious of people who are incredibly rooted Mm. and because I'm not you know can you remember a time when you were or or and or a time when this construct of like success you being like sort of on like somewhere on this like pole of you know, doing a ton and successful and like worthless. Like, can you remember a time where you weren't taken by that? Even if for five minutes or a minute or. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, uh, when I wasn't taken, yeah, I mean, maybe. Like when you didn't buy it, you know? Right. Buy the reality or the, or the supposed reality of that. When you didn't believe that. I didn't believe that, like, there was a success. You mean, like, like in terms of like that success versus worthlessness, or or when 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 I guess the the better question is when your like your number of accomplishments or the level of your accomplishments or the and the number or level of someone else's accomplishments when those things truly truly meant nothing. Um, in relation to how joyful or free you were allowed to feel on a daily basis. Right. I, I think that maybe it was when um, I was, when I, when I did my one-man show the first time, right, like mm-hmm. I was completely in my own flow for the first time and in my own energy and I was doing the thing that I felt like I wanted to do and, 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 
felt like I was good at and it felt like that flow. And I didn't, that, I remember briefly feeling that sense of like not comparing myself or Mm -hmm. feeling like I was worse or better than anyone else. I was just Mm -hmm. in my sort of, and that, and that maybe that is, you know, there are, there are times like that when I just feel like it's about getting back to that, maybe that's what it is. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like going back to like a full, my own energy and my own flow and trying to find that because so much of life is, and our business is like this sometimes, you know, it's like, you didn't get the job. That person got the job, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like you're pretty enough. You're not smart, you know, whatever. You're too fat. Like, you know, like, yeah. so I think that when I was doing that, I didn't, none of that really seemed to matter to me because I was like, Oh, I'm in, in my own energetic flow here. Yeah. It's almost like you, like you've like transcended the, the evaluative thoughts, you know, and I was just connected to my own self, which is the, which is, you know, maybe that is the Zen sort of place that we all try to find, you know, with, meditation or yoga or whatever it is we do maybe you know? or was it that you were or that it was it that somehow you were able to to like love yourself yeah I, mean, I, liked, I liked myself I liked myself which is which is an interesting thing because so much of my so much of the time I'm like I, it's like it's like I have I have arrogance and self-loathing at the same time you know so it's a really lovely combination (laughs) oh I think but I think I mean I think it's a combination that so many of us myself included really identify with I mean you know this is uh this is a, a very this is an aspect of of you know, and I'm saying this with air quotes, society or, or the world that we live in. I mean, a lot of this is a mistake. It's a mistake of humanity. It's a mistake of our egos. It's a mistake. And I don't think an ego is a a bad thing, but in certainly the classical like Freudian sense, I don't have to get into that. The point is the ego gets a bad rap and it doesn't always need to, but this is, this is something that this is a mistake of the mind that there are people who are more important and people who are less important. This is not a real thing. And, and when we give it credence, we um, separate ourselves from what I believe is the reason that we're here, which is to understand that in fact, we are all one and the same in so many ways. And, um, and of course, you know, I read this meme on, on Instagram, (laughs) on Instagram today. Um, that was something like, we're not all in the same boat. We are in the same storm. And some of us are in a yacht. Some of us are in a That's gone. That's making the rounds. Oh, it is. Well, it's, I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's, it's really an important thing to keep in mind because when we, you know, we say, and this is like, you know, all of us spirit and I include myself in this you know, sort of like spiritual bunch. And I, I make fun of myself too, in some sense. Um, although, you know, there's nothing wrong with being spiritual or, or whatever. But it's really easy to say like, oh, we're all one. But we also in that way don't want to undermine the experience of ugh, the black man in America, for example. Well, well, I think it's I think it's it's that we are there is a unifying thing that um ties us all. All of our experiences are not the same. Our, our historical 
legacies are not the same. You know, I carry a historical legacy that, um, you know, I was working once with a, with a therapist who was talking about like the stuff you carry from your parents and your grandparents and your great grandparents that you don't even know that you carry. Yeah. You then, you know, pass on to your children. And I'm talking about like, not like a disease or something, but like more like the, the psych, the psychology that gets past, you know, the psychological. I way. believe it, it may be morphic resonance. It's like, yeah, like, you know, exactly. And it, and it does, and it's generational and, it, and it's, it's not only in families, but it's in cultures and it's in groups of people, right? Like yeah. the, 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 the trauma that gets passed down over generations and stuff is different for different people. Um, and, we also, but in the same time, but it is that thing of like, but we all have it. We, we're, we're connected by the fact that we all have our thing, mm-hmm. you know, like we all right. are dealing with, but, and at the same time, much of our society has been constructed in a way to have people who are up and people who are down. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's necessary in, it's not necessary. It has been a way in which we have constructed our society. Yeah, we've right? all bought into this story. And we've all bought into it, right? There are, there are people who are rich and poor, good and bad, like whatever, you know what I mean? Like, like it's just the way we've constructed human society, you know? And, 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 and um, in some cases, more extreme versions of that than others, you know? But I think that's why you have the offset of that, which is religion and spirituality, which basically then goes, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. I think everyone is actually okay. Like, I think we're all... Sometimes, although then some, you know, some versions of religion say like, no, actually some people are bad. Right, right. Well, people well, are right, good. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, like, like there are, there are sinners and there are good people and there are, yeah, and that is, there's heaven and there's hell, Right. And then, and then you're, you're right. Like that, that does exist. And, but even in, even in the construct of, um, it's interesting because, you know, again, I'm, I'm, this is now the fish in the water, right? Cause I'm just going like, well, yeah, but what do you say about Hitler? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, but that's always, always where the conversation that, right? goes. <laughs> that's always where the conversation goes. What about Hitler? Yeah. And what about Hitler? I mean, yeah, that's where the conversation goes. Was he, did he do evil things? Yeah. The most evil maybe that we've ever seen was Hitler. And this is where the the spiritual, you know, what I was once lucky enough to meet um, Desmond Tutu and he came to this play that I was doing over at um, the down about Guantanamo in 2004. And he came and I remember, um, CNN came to cover him being there, right? And, the, and they did a little press conference afterwards with Desmond Tutu talking about Guantanamo and the prisoners there and da, da, da. And then one of the reporters said to him, do you think Osama bin Laden is an evil man? Mm. And Desmond Tutu said, um, I think all of us are capable of evil and good. And some, it's just whatever, you know, you choose to do in terms of your actions are your actions helping humanity mankind or are they destructive to humanity and mankind you know and it goes yeah. back 
you know, and, and so that, that's the, that's the, well, you know, thing. I used to like, I, for a long time in my life, probably about five, six, seven years, I don't know. I was like, well, there's no such thing as good and, and bad and no such thing as what, I, you know, and I, I was very, <clears throat> um, very like, you know, those words are judgment words. It's right. There's no such thing as right and wrong. And, right. um, and, um, and I know, I know what I meant. And yet I've, I've really, I've re I've evolved slightly in my, um, have you? Yes. So, so, and actually this came from reading, um, 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 fuck. Uh, what did Noah Yuval Harari write? What's his fucking book? Not Homo Deus, but the first one about, oh, Homo sapiens, sapiens, sapiens. Did you read sapiens? Sapiens. Well, anyway, and actually maybe it wasn't from that actually now that I'm thinking, maybe I just heard this while I was, anyway, I can't remember who the fuck said it, but, 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 but I believed it. And what it was, was essentially that you can actually, you can decide what is wrong or right based on how much suffering it causes. So I, I can't say Hitler was all bad, but I can say that Hitler was a lot badder than fucking mother Teresa because he caused a lot more suffering, you know, and that that may be actually like the only, uh, the only metric that is worthwhile because that is, is, um, objective right? Pretty objective. I mean, I guess some people might say, well, I suffered a lot when my parents got divorced and somebody else may say, well, I suffered a lot because my parents got murdered. And you might say like, well, but who's suffering? And so in that sense, it's not totally objective, right? But you can kind of objectively determine like on some level, how much suffering did this cause? And, And by the way, there's also no necessary, I don't, there's no we don't necessarily need to pin people, peg people to the totem pole of rightness and wrongness. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to do that. Like, I don't even know where that necessarily gets us anyway, other than that it gives us a starting place to have a conversation about things like the Holocaust. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and I think that, you know, we also, we also do this thing where I think that, that, certain we we also we also pick and choose sometimes right like it's like we go oh um you know there are people that have committed genocide and atrocities and whatever and it's like we go oh well we'll ignore that because that's not you know maybe that was in africa and it was a bunch of like really poor people and we're not going to talk about that as much as like genocide and atrocity that was done towards people that we want to talk about you know what i mean like and that happens as well which is like or even good people you know what I mean? like we raise up people and go this person is a person that we should be revering at a particular point in time and then you know i did a thing recently about Oh, my wife and I actually produced a pilot for Apple about Confederate statues, and it was a thing. You guys are so cool. And, See, look and, how cool you are. Anyway, we didn't get made, but the thing is, the whole thing was about like how we, you know, there's this argument that was going on about like, well, these statues, you know, there's these heroes, and it's like you go like, yeah, but they were you, they were a tool, right? They were put up there as saying like, look, we have to revere these people because other people felt like it was important that those people get revered so they could have an agenda of like, you know what I mean? And it was like, and so there's all kinds of 
complicated ways in which we choose who to glorify and who to demonize as well mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. larger global culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 um, um, we don't, we, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, so here's the thing. We're like, I want to let you go and be with your wife and you're yeah. now yeah. hopefully sleeping. Oh, that was supposed to be just like an hour. I know. And here we are. And that's why like I'm, and I'm aware and I have yeah, so many for, sleep, for, for us parents the too. The you check the Nana? Yeah, that's, we live by the Nana. I love the Nana. Oh, he's totally asleep. He's okay. totally asleep. Okay. So she's hanging out. That means she probably is like reading a book. Oh, God. She's, she's probably. Um, the, well, I'm going to let you go. Anyway, maybe we could just end on this note. Okay, I think I love everything that we talked about so much. And um, look, my hope is that um, we can somehow um, like, um, like penetrate this conversation of demonization and glorification um, by... And when I say we, not I don't mean you and I, you and me, but I'm I mean like us as like humanity that we can actually like, um, hopefully um, go just sort of deeper within ourselves and like think about what it would be like to be free of that kind of dualistic thinking and and just to be free, period, and like what that would feel like to feel loved and respected as who we are and seen and heard and self-expressed. And like, if we can find that, if we can do that for ourselves, if we can, if we can embody those beautiful feelings, I believe that we can slowly, maybe it takes hundreds of years, but even maybe in our daily lives, we can slowly affect real significant change by doing this inner work. And that's like, that's really the point of this podcast. Um, And it's obviously something that you've been doing. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing your experience with that. And like fucking keep, keep, keep on keeping on (laughs) Traducan. That's it. That's all you can do. That's all you can Um, do. Yeah. Well, it was great chatting with you. So awesome. That's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IamCatFoster. Reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. We really, really get those messages and we really, really answer them. Links and recommendations for this week's episode can be found at ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes drop on Mondays. Most importantly, if you love this show, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it. We love seeing those. That means a huge deal to the show. We're so grateful for you. We love you. Have a great day. This podcast was produced by the incredible Augusta Chapman with help from our amazing coordinator, Hannah Barbakoff, and our very talented sound engineer, Baraka Jenga. The music, which I absolutely adore, is composed by Sean Hokinson. 